This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And good morning, Canada. Welcome to another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob will be back next week where we're going to preview the Masters. Yes, the November edition of the Masters. It's so close. Next week on Golf Talk Canada, we have a two-hour special edition where we're going to preview the tournament. We'll have a, a winner's weird and what all-time Masters edition. We'll talk about favorites, dark horses, the Canadians, all four of them in the field, and Tiger Woods. What are his chances to repeat as Masters champion and take home his sixth green jacket? What a wild year it's been in 2020. But the Masters in November, I can't wait for this to go on. We have a special best of edition of the show today. We're going to recap. We're going to be showing... Some of our favorite segments throughout the last couple of weeks on Golf Talk Canada. We're going to recap the U.S. Open, a couple of our winners, weird and what's, throughout the past couple of weeks. And as well, we'll talk a little Ryder Cup. Yes, that was supposed to happen about a month ago, obviously, with COVID-19. It's been postponed until next year. But first... Last week on Golf Talk Canada, Mark, Bob, and I discussed some Masters favorites and dark horses with the tournament just a few weeks away. Skulls, it is never too early to talk about the Masters. It seems like the Masters and the Ryder Cup, you can just talk about 12 months a year. It seems that we always do. But before we start getting into some Masters stuff, and I've got something that I need to throw by you and Bob that I have kind of stumbled across. But before we do... I need your review, your Borat <laughs> 2 review. Well, first of all, boys, AXE Maz. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I got to say, I'm sitting here in my maskini and uh, thinking about <laughs> what I just watched and spent an hour and 40 minutes watching last night. There were definitely, Mark, as you said, an hour one, some laugh out loud moments, some cringeworthy moments, some moments where hopefully you didn't have a plate of food in front of you. But uh, Bob, enjoy your viewing tonight, uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing your review next week. Uh, sounds good. And by the way, guys, I also wanted to sh- a big a big shout out to a good pal of mine, Drake. Today's Drake's birthday. I just wanted, you know, we're, we might be watching the movie together, but Drake turns uh, 34 today. So there you go. Wow. Well, there you go. 34 years old for Canada's leading spoken word artist. You know, I, that's my favorite. Did he really? Well, Did I didn't he? know he that. Spent, oh. some, spent some time there anyway. Yep. All right. Wow. There you go. Okay, boys, uh, something before we get into some Masters stuff. Well, this is Masters related. And I, I want to toss this at you guys because I've been uh, working on an essay uh, to Bob's suggestion. Uh, Bob gave me a great idea because I was looking to do, add one more essay for, uh, for Augusta. And Bob suggested about, well, maybe there's a topic or maybe there is an idea around, you know, how, how or if shorter hitters can now uh, still compete at Augusta. It just got me thinking because, you know, I think we're probably all leaning. And let's go around the table here before I I come to this assumption. But my assumption would be, unlike when we were picking U.S. Open or PGA, you know, we all kind of went, oh, you know, Webb Simpson might have a chance. We all kind of liked a a Webb Simpson uh, potentially to win and whatnot. When When it comes to Augusta, are we all right now 
leaning towards a bomber or multiple bombers? Bob, let's start with you. Like, are you, is your mind going that way? Not looking for names, not looking for picks, but when you're thinking about Augusta and who's going to get the job done, are you leaning, are you leaning that way more so than the other majors? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, it's, it's, it's certainly one of the criteria and maybe the most important criteria, but it's not going to be the only thing I choose or look at. I think there's got to be more to it because I don't know if there's a course that kind of examines you from every angle than more than Augusta National. People talk about it being a second shot golf course. People talk that you need to be really good putting. Um, but all those things can kind of be helped if you're if you hit it a long way because obviously you can come in closer to the you know you're hitting a wedge into a into a par five uh, and you can put it a lot closer and then you can you can make have a little easier time with your putting so it's certainly one of them for sure. Well, and and in that vein, let's not forget, guys, if if the Shambo doesn't putt lights out and is as good as he is, strokes gain around around the green at the U.S. Open. Um, he doesn't do what he does, regardless of how far he's hitting it. So, you know, to win majors, you can't just be a bomber. I totally get that. Adam, um, where are you, though, however, to Bob's point, you know, one of the for- one of the formulas at Augusta, certainly maybe near or at the top of everyone's list, is take, you'll see this line, take care of the par fives. Must do that at Augusta. Right now, if uh, if it was starting tomorrow, are you leaning towards the longer hitters in the game? Yeah, I, I mean, longer hitters in the game is certainly a focal point, as Bob was saying. But I'm also curious, because it very likely will be a little colder, it's going to be a little softer. Guys aren't going to hit, I don't think anyway, as many greens as they would generally in April. So you're really going to have to have that strokes gain around the green. A lot of, you know, pitches from just off the green or or bunker shots or shots shots where you're not going to hit every green in regulation. And that's where I'm looking more at an all-round player. And uh, once we give our picks, you won't be surprised with my pick because he's had some great results in majors but still hasn't won uh, his first one just yet. Okay, so this is a great segue of what you suggested there about it being potentially cold. Because, okay, I, so I've been poking around for this essay and I stumbled across some interesting numbers and I want your mm-hmm. opinion. So since Tom Fazio went into Augusta in 2002 and started to tiger-proof the golf course, started in 2002, uh, kind of went in again and did it to another six holes in 2006, they've tweaked ever since. It's gotten extremely long. But, but since 2002, since the tiger-proofing commenced, um, we've had four Masters champions that you would categorize as the bottom half of driving distance, potentially the bottom third of driving distance. Uh, 2003, Mike Weir, our own Mike Weir. 2007, 2008, Zach Johnson and Trevor Immelman. 2016, Danny Willett. Uh, 2011 was Charles Schwartzel. He's kind of middle of the road, so I throw him out because he wasn't in bottom half. He wasn't top half. He was smack dab right in the winner, in the middle. So let's go with those four that would be below the middle in The average daily temperature in November is 64 Fahrenheit. 
the average daily temperature when those four champions, those shorter hitters won, is 56 Fahrenheit. So the colder it gets, the more likelihood that a potential shorter hitter wins. Why? Well, logic would suggest, and Tiger Woods hinted on this in his Zozo Championship press conference, that it gets so cold and the ball goes nowhere that not even the longer hitters could take advantage of it. It becomes a putting and pitching contest. So my question to you guys is this. If that's the case, could we potentially see a Webb Simpson or somebody like that this year? Or have we broken through another distance barrier? Have we now gotten to the point again? Because, guys, where we are this year with Bryson DeChambeau, Matt Wolf, Sergio Garcia's new distance, Rory Chasen distance. Have we broken through another distance barrier that we are now into another new generation and we can throw out the numbers I just threw at you and these guys are hitting it so dramatically further this year than they were last year or the year before that those numbers mean nothing. Adam, where are you at with this? Have I touched on something with the cold weather or have we broken through another distance barrier that is going to make these numbers obsolete? Yeah, I, I'm the one thing I'm really curious about, you know, with all these distance numbers is how much of it is going, how relevant is it all going to be at Augusta in three weeks, you know, given how firm the fairways are going to be, given that we're in overseeding season, is, is it going to play relatively soft? How much rollout are you actually going to get on the fairways? I mean, if you're flying at 403 like Bryson is, it really won't matter but yeah I, I i really think that you're gonna need all facets of your game as always at, at the masters but i believe that the colder it is it really brings in everyone where maybe more par fives become three shot par fives if, if the wind picks up etc bob have we broken through a distance barrier where those numbers and that math i gave you can be lit on fire or is there still credence to this with an overseed potentially damp potentially very cold that everybody's playing this golf course is a big, long beast. Yeah, I still think, you know, the longer the guys hit it, the, the, the better chance they're going to have in a general sense here. So I think that while those guys won uh, during cold temperatures, which is a fascinating stat, I love that stat, by the way, um, it's, I, I still think that the guys now, compared to when those guys won, are so much longer that they're still going to be able to take advantage of it. I don't think it opens the door all that much more, but going back to the point I made earlier, which is um, you still have to have a, a complete through the bag game to win at Augusta National. You can't just be long, but I still think those guys will have an advantage. Okay, I don't want to jump into this too much because we will be doing this on November 7th with a Masters Draft as part of our Masters two-hour preview Saturday morning radio on November 7th. But right now, uh, give me a favorite and a dark horse. I'm going to put Bryson, guys, still as the favorite. He has proven to me that every time he puts the ball on the ground, he has a chance to win. I don't expect that to be any different this time around. I expect him to have a chance to win again. I will put him as the favorite. My dark horse, Matt Wolf. Uh, he's had a couple of rough weeks, but previous to the last couple of weeks, he has played some very consistent golf. The, he, he proved at the U.S. Open that, he, that the stage itself does not uh, scare him, uh, the big stage of a major like he did at the U.S. Open. I think he's going to have some wiggle room at Augusta more so than he had at uh, Winged Foot. 
So right now, just off the top of my head, I'm going favorite Bryson, my dark horse, Matt Wolf. Bob, favorite dark horse right now if it started tomorrow. You know, favorite is a guy that it's hard to believe he's a little under the radar, but it's the number one golfer in the world. And Dustin Johnson, I still think uh, he's got such a complete game. Now we'll see what happens after he comes back from this little break. But, you know, he's been inside the top 10 in his last four starts, tied for second last year in that three-way tie for second uh, last year behind Tiger Woods. So I, I still think, man, Dustin Johnson is... Uh, is, is a guy to, to watch out for. And if you're going to go for a little bit of a sleeper, I mean, it's hard to pick sleepers when they're in the top 20 in the world. But uh, but I like Patrick Cantley. I think going back to what I said before, he he shows at times that he has that complete through the bag game. Tied for 10th or tied for 9th last year. So he's a, he's a guy I think that uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, Adam, starts tomorrow. I'm asking you for your pick right now. If it started tomorrow, give me your uh, give me your favorite and give me the guy you're looking at that uh, that maybe wouldn't pop to the top of everybody's uh, radar. Yeah, if it started tomorrow, another player who was in that three-way tie for second behind Tiger Woods last year, Xander Shoffley. 13 majors played, seven top tens. Uh, that runner-up finish last year at Augusta despite an opening round of 73. I really like Xander Shoffley. As a dark horse, Again, it's it's hard to call this guy a dark horse per se. He's won the tournament twice, but Bubba Watson, he's playing some great golf. Top 12 finishes at Augusta the last two years. He's rounding into form. That T7 last week at CJ Cup, obviously the round he had yesterday. Bubba Watson can be a good dark horse pick as well if you're looking for some value. Yeah, two-time champion uh, seems to be getting it at the right spot. New driver in the bag with his name across the top. Uh, curious thing, guys, as well on the Xander Shoffley pick from Adam. If a bomber isn't going to win and it is going to be somebody else that kind of checks those other boxes, who's leading the PGA Tour right now in strokes gained around the green? Xander Shoffley. This segment of GTC was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them and you'll see why. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, how about the U.S. Open? What a dominating performance that was by Bryson DeChambeau to win by six shots. Absolutely obliterating the field. Really taking on wing foot in a way that we've really never seen before. Bombing gouge, hitting absolute bombs out there, 360, 70 yards right down the middle. But if he was missing the fairways, was missing the greens, his chipping and putting, just a surreal performance by Bryson DeChambeau. And he's not stopping there. He's trying to put on even more weight. He's trying to gain even more speed. He's posting Instagram photos, carrying the golf ball 403 yards. That is 
is ludicrous. But good for Bryson DeChambeau trying something different on a recent episode of Golf Talk Canada. Mark and Bob recap the recent U.S. Open where they discuss Bryson DeChambeau and the other contenders in the mix. All right, one week removed from the U.S. Open. Obviously, we had the Bryson conversation. We've talked Bryson to death, and and rightfully so. It might be in a historic win when we look back in a generation from now, and we might go, hey, that's the day uh, high school golfers decided they were hitting the gym instead of the range. We don't know what this is going to be. We could be overreacting, but it might be more significant than what we think. Okay, let's remove Bryson from the conversation, Bob. Uh, let's start with the cup half full. Who are the winners this week? Who are the guys that leave with momentum, that have building blocks, that said, you know, I didn't get the W, but, man, I took on a beast of a golf course. I leave with momentum. And I know that you've, you would add the USGA as an organization to your winner as well, and I, it would be hard to argue with that. Yeah, I mean, they did the best they could, and nobody's really talking about the course setup other than how do you defend. It's not like nothing that they did to monkey up the golf course. And that's, we had one person under par. That's right. That's right. Exactly oh. right. But I think there's some obvious winners. I think Matthew Wolf is an obvious winner because we didn't really know a ton about him beforehand, and he comes in second. He's now finished in the top four in every major he's ever played. Yeah, exactly. Both of them. Right, right, both of them. Uh, I, think, I think Will Zalatoris is a winner, and mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, he's a Corn Ferry Tour player who ended up uh, tied for sixth. He has had a just a whack of a year out uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour, and of course it comes like Taylor Pendrith. Uh, on a year when there's no promotion. Right. Um, you know, amongst the, I think Harris English kind of resurrected his game as well, showed that he's got some, some stuff in there after a year of kind of uh, misery, and uh, he's back. But, you know, those are, the, those are the ones that are maybe a little less obvious, or, well, I guess Wolf is obvious, but some of, but, but English and Zelotoris might be a little less obvious. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, before we get to uh, who are the losers, and, and before maybe, because I agree with your pick, so I just add a couple, I would just maybe add one or two names in there, but before I get to that, I've got to ask you a question about Louis Oosthuizen, because Louis Oosthuizen, he has a major, he's a 2010 Open champion, but he has a large bucket of top 10s and top 5s in major championship. Is this, a, is this, because this is another third, is this a positive for Louis Oosthuizen? Or is it another, hey, I had a chance to win and I did, I did it. I am having a very hard time on where I put Louis Oosthuizen in this conversation. His rounds are interesting, right? He was 67, 74, 68, 73. So it's sort of up, down, up, down. And the knock against Louis has always been that he doesn't have that kind of killer instinct or that deep drive to kind of go out and get it. Mm-hmm. He's got second-place finishes in all four majors. He and DJ have the silver slam. Mm-hmm. And that's always, if I'm a golfer, that's something that's probably going to bother me to a certain extent. And yet, probably when you retire and you look back and you say, wow, those were great finishes. You came second in every major, as long as he has a major. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting where to put him. I think, I think at his age, you know, he's not a young guy anymore. He's not a rookie. That's true. Third is not probably a bad finish for him at this point, although... It is, as you said, to your point, it's a missed opportunity. All right, I'm going to agree with you on, on on all your wins. I think, you know, Matt Wolf is obviously the no-brainer. We probably didn't give Matt enough credit in the rest of his game, kind of almost the way we look as a, as a country at Taylor Penrith, and, and Derek Ingram was, you know, trying to correct us into your story that you told last week uh, about going down there and doing, uh, doing a piece uh, on the guys. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. I think Harris English, to your point, a bit of a resurrection. Uh, Will Zalatoris, a no-brainer, considering the season he's having on, on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, etc. 
I think uh, the only other name I might throw in there is Xander Shoffley. You know, I, I know it's not a win. I know he wants a win. But this is still a very young golfer who keeps proving to us that if it's a big event, if it's a deep field, and it's a hard golf course, you should never overlook this guy. You know, he wins at East Lake, always performs at East Lake, tough golf course, always does well as in, well does well in majors. Look at his record in the U.S. Open. I think Xander, although it's not a victory, I'd say just proving again as to why he's always on our radar when this when this event rolls around. Um, all right, other sign of that coin. Uh, there's obviously a few that miss the cut. Um, but for me, I'm going to stay away from the obvious. Phil Mickelson's 50 years old, okay? Phil's had a great career. If he pops up once in a while and does something, great on Phil. Tiger, well, we'll do, we could do a show on Tiger, so I'm going to leave Woods out of this conversation. A couple of guys that were really disappointing for me were Tommy Fleetwood, who was one of the favorites, or one of the dark horse favorites, if that makes any sense. Yep. Like After you got out of the DJ Rom conversation, Fleetwood was right in that next group. He misses the cut, right? Uh, horrible outing for Tommy Fleetwood. How much longer are we going to consider Ricky Fowler an elite player? Ricky Fowler has been lost in the wilderness on big events. Uh, here he is again. And I'm going to throw one at you, Bob, that's a bit of a surprise. And I'm going to, I think I have it as a... Bryson DeChambeau? Not Bryson okay. DeChambeau. Not that big of a shock. Okay. I'm going to say Justin Thomas. Oh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Bob, he opened with 65. Yeah. He was right there in this golf tournament. And to your point with Louis' rounds of 66, up, down, up, down, up, down, look at Justin Thomas, 65, and then he goes 73, 76, 72, and basically flushes his 65 down the winged foot toilet. Is there anybody in golf who um, who just beats himself up more on the golf course when he's playing badly. It's almost, it's not like, you know, when you see Jordan Spieth, you sort of think, oh, he's kind of whining when he's missing shots and doing things. But Justin Thomas, I just laugh because I see myself, the guy's going, oh my God, how can I miss that? That's the like worst that? shot ever hit on right, TV. Right. I just, love and I, I kind of laugh at it, and I don't know why that is, why, what the difference is, but I, I like Justin Thomas a lot because he sort of, to me, reflects how a lot of average players can kind of relate where you, you know, one day you can come out and have a great round and the very next day you think, okay, I'm going to keep it going and you come out like he's done here and shot 76 or something. I think part of the difference for me is Jordan seems on occasion, not always, but but often to be reflecting it out. Oh, stupid lie, dumb hole location, there's right, something else. Yeah. With, the, just, with Thomas, it's... I'm garbage. Right. I stink. And right. I think people appreciate that, right? right? Who, who do you put in the uh, cup half empty here, Bob? Who would you add uh, to that list? You if know, you I, would? I, I kind of had to add Rory in there a little bit. I think, I think he was starting to play, get better, and he gave me some, some hope a little bit. And then I thought, again, the putter just kind of let him down. Now, I know it's easy to say that when you're playing a U.S. Open golf course. Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Reed... To me, was, was you saw a, that coming though. That yeah. train wreck. <laughs> you knew when he shot seventy that he got every break he that's, could have that's... got when he before he shot the seventy-seven on Friday. Um, you know, I thought I thought John Rahm was a little disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking at. You know, Rory gave you the Ustazen uh, rounds. Look at Rory's rounds: sixty-seven, I'm in it; seventy-six, no, I'm not; sixty-eight, I'm back; seventy-five, I'm gone. Yeah, the Ricky Fowler comment, you know, was an interesting one because I sit there. I know he's working on swing changes. I know he's got a few things going on, but still. He's had a nothing year. Like, I was putting together a golf pool that I go in with my dad, and we're, we've got to get our stuff going here 
but I think I think I'm looking at Ricky thinking, okay, do I should I pick him? Is he worth the value that he's won? It's based on what they won last mm-hmm. year. It's a really tough question right now. I don't. I, I would. My guess, my gut would be no. You know, there's probably somebody younger, hungrier on the upswing, and like you said, he is working on changes. But wow, how how long do you go with that, right? right. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them and you'll see why. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back inside our special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, as we discuss on every show, winners, weird, and what? It's our favorite segment of the show. And here's a recent edition of 3-Dub, the week after the U.S. Open, where in this time, I had the tea. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Okay, gents, my winner this week could also be a weird and a what all mixed into one. <laughs> Harris English tees off Sunday, the U.S. Open. He's excited. He's he's in great uh, in, a, in a great place to maybe have his best finish at a major championship. Hits his tee shot into the left rough. What happens? They can't find the golf ball. One of the craziest things I think I've ever seen watching a major championship, obviously not having any fans around uh, was a big reason for this, but the marshals, the volunteers, they couldn't find the golf ball. What did he do after that? Instead of sulking, instead of you know being rattled, if you will, he goes back for the next 17 and a half holes. He plays some great golf. Three birdies, shoots a closing 73, finishing in fourth place. Does get his best career finish at a major championship. It was quite a bounce back for Harris English, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, well, it was great. I, I'm still shocked that he lost the golf ball. I, I don't know how. You know, with I, I know there was no spectators out there, but there was tons of marshals, cameras everywhere. Uh, losing a golf ball like that it's, to start a final round is crazy. It's almost like if there had been fans there, not only would he have found the golf ball, but in all likelihood it might have bounced off a fan back into the fairway. Right. Or in a trampled <laughs> down lie. Exactly. Yeah, it was pretty wild to see, but good for Harris English to bounce back the way he did. Okay, my weird this week. We mentioned this a little earlier in the show, the Payne Valley Cup, Tiger Woods' his first public course. And the players were mic'd up for this event, which was great. You got to hear some in-depth conversations. Tiger Woods and Justin Rose talking about driver shaft lengths, how they're going to adjust that. And Rory McIlroy, who has a new favorite kind of pizza. Tell you what, we're on this big Domino's kick at the minute. It's so good. I swear to God. It's so it is good. good. Like if you're like if you don't know what the really good local pizza place is, yeah. Domino's is like solid. Yeah. You know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Okay, guys, simple <laughs> enough. Is is it Domino's is a pizza pizza for you guys? On the road game, Bob? What's the road game? On the road game? Oh, I always try to find the local one. Yeah, me too. I just I always ask around. But, uh, yeah, if you want to be safe, I think Domino's. Yeah. Although I'm not the quite best, sure I'd rank it quite as high as yeah. The is. best pizza in Toronto, boys, hands down, Queen Margarita. That's oh. good. I like Ro- so Romy's good. on Royal York and Bloor if you're around there. Oof. Huh. 
Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I like the I like the just the the go to staple margarita pizza at Queen Margarita. Like I'll eat the whole thing. I, I, in fact, if you uh, put your hands in front of my mouth, you might lose a digit. <laughs> I mean, just saying. Just saying. Skulls. Oh, uh, that, that's funny. I mean, for me, I I like Domino's as well. I'm with Rory. Maybe not to the extent that Rory is, but uh, hey, I mean, whatever. Good for you, Rory. <laughs> my what this week? Uh, we mentioned this a little earlier as well. What a bounce back for Graham Dillette. Uh Shoot 78 in the first round in Putacana, then the 64 in round two. Some special stuff from Graham Dillette. We saw him chipping with one hand at the Safeway Open. He's had a host of of short game issues in the past, but what a bounce back here for Graham Dillette and some uh, optimism here going forward, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, you know we uh, we had Graham on as our analyst during the uh, U.S. Open. And uh, before we did a little preview, and I had to ask him about the uh, the chipping with one hand, and he says, he says, I don't mind it on the PGA Tour. In fact, it's funny how the guys come around. They say, hey, whatever works. And he almost chipped in twice, he said. But the funniest thing he said is when I'm at my club at home, he says, that's when it's really embarrassing. <laughs> guys look at me like I got three heads. But uh, that is awesome. Nine birdies on the card. Birdied half the holes. Hopefully that's a good sign going forward. Do you think we'll see Adam Scully putting one-handed as a segue to that? I'd like to see him putt no-handed. Just no stick handed. the end I'm of the club in yeah. the in his, the uh, the six pack. Yeah, you know, in the, now, in the he doesn't have. See, I can do the no. I can <laughs> yeah. do the, with my COVID twelve. I can illegal? do the no hand. That be would that be illegal Ooh. if he had no hands? But Hold just on, one point stomach. of contact. That's I don't right. see that being illegal if I happen to use my gut. <laughs> yeah, Adam, Adam, Adam don't can't. get rid of that weight. Yes, maybe I should keep that weight on. Jam it in there, Scully. I think Mark, you got to put more weight on, and then he can just go from there. I, I think that's the strategy. <laughs> I'm sure button. we'll get into putting a little more in our belly button. Right in the gut, the belly button. Okay, Bob, the tea is now yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I get yours today, so that's it. Hey, hold on, that was story. yours. Switch around. Yeah, we'll switch it. Okay. No, that's right. You can have the you can have the Family Guy. I'm taking that one. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you take Jack. All right. Like but that. you got to be angrier now. I am. All okay. right. I can do the pirate again. <laughs> National talk like a pirate day. Anyway. Uh, my winner this week is Norm Barker from Collingwood, Ontario. This is a wonderful You're story. the next contestant. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Norm, uh, Norm shot his best round this year was a 95. And uh, he, he breaks 100 quite regularly at a golf course. He plays up at Cranberry. It used to be Cranberry Village. I think it's just called the Cranberry Golf Course now. And he plays in the Old Timers Fun League up there. And um, I think it's great for, for Norm to shoot those great scores because on November 2nd, Norm's going to turn 99. He's going to turn 99 years old, and he's still out there playing four or and five breaking times breaking his week. age. And breaking his age on a regular... Uh, this is the quote in the newspaper article. I break 100 quite regularly, he said. Congratulations to Norm Barker. I love stories like this. It talks about... gives me a little hope that maybe yes. by the time I'm 99, I might figure out how to shoot 95. Norm, you're awesome. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Great story. Okay. Uh, my weird this week is uh, a letter that the... A uh, lawyer for the Doobie Brothers sent the Doobie Brothers. Yes. You remember the Doobie Brothers? <laughs> yes, of course. Adam Bill... has no idea who you're talking no, about. But the Doobie Brothers continue. are a rock 70s, 80s <laughs> rock band. And um. the lawyer for uh, the Doobie Brothers sent a letter to Bill Murray because Bill Murray has a t-shirt, golf shirt company, right, called mm-hmm. Zero Bucks Given. And he's, oh, sorry, it's not actually not called that. It's called <laughs> Zero Hucks Given. Okay. And they are using the song Listen to the Music in their ads and they lawyers contend that he hasn't paid for it. But rather than send sort of a legal ease letter, right. he sent this letter that says, 
We're writing on behalf of our clients, the Doobie Brothers. The Doobie Brothers perform and record the song Listen to the Music, which Tom Johnson of the Doobie Brothers wrote. It's a fine song. I know you agree because you keep using it in your ads <laughs> for Zero Hucks Given Golf Shirts. However, given that you haven't paid us to use it, maybe you should change the name of the company to Zero Bucks Given. He says, we understand that you're running other ads using music from other, our other clients. The only other person who uses our clients' music without permission more than you apparently is Donald Trump. <laughs> but he did. He had some good. He says we'd be okay with it if it, the shirts weren't so damn ugly. But there we go. Anyway, wow. so they came back on it, and they've uh, they've gone back and forth in a fun way. Uh, I'm, I, I like when lawyers kind of have a little fun with each other. Not a lot of people. A lot, a lot of people know this, but a lot of people tell me I have the best music. <laughs> really? Really? Yes. <laughs> you got it. All right. That's it. All right, my uh, my what this week is? Uh, Come on, what you is need it? some anger, what? Bob. You got the Jack Nicholson <laughs> intro. You need some anger. My what is? What are these? What are these people on? What are these contestants on Jeopardy all about? <laughs> okay, they can't figure things out. Listen, you know this music right here, right? Yeah, it's the final Jeopardy music. Right. So this was playing the other night on Jeopardy, and the question was. I'll pretend I'm Alex okay, Trebek. Yes. You know I was on uh, Reach for the Top and Alex Trebek was the host one time? I did not know that. There you go. Well, we got to talk about this more. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Listen, on the Forbes we need another hour. Can you... On the Forbes 2020 list of the 100 highest paid athletes at age 50, this active individual sportsman is the oldest. Say that again? Here's the, here's the answer. you got to get okay. the question. On Forbes 2020 list of the 100 highest paid athletes at age 50, this active individual sportsman is the oldest. Who would it be? Ooh. Scully? Uh, well, I know the. I, I saw the tweet, so I oh, do know the answer. Okay, so. Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson. That but the answers guess. for I these didn't... people, you know what the answers they came up with? The That's first... right, you sneaky. Little I didn't look devil. at the list. I just guessed Phil. The first contestant said Jagger, as in Yarmir. Yarmir Jagger. He's wow. retired now. The second put the word Phil, but couldn't get Mickelson. Didn't know it. And the third person put Mr. Magoo. <laughs> None of them got Phil Nicholson. All three of them struck out. But all three of them can build a rocket ship. So <laughs> yes, there you exactly, go. That's it. Exactly. So. All right, Mark. The tea is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun. We're having fun. Look, it went further than your ball. I should point out before you go, Mark, yeah. is that Phil Mickelson actually responded in well, a tweet you, to that question. He says, just when I think I've arrived, brackets, I was the answer to tonight's final Jeopardy question, I realize they still have a long way to go. Bracket, they all got it wrong. <laughs> That's good. The tea is yours, Mark. All right, Ben, I'm going to try to do my best to bring the anger on my what, because I'm not used to the family guy. I'm usually a little bit more, you know, Jack, but we're going to try here, okay? So my winner, guys. Just let me know if I'm going to have to go with the dump button. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my winner and my weird very quick. My winner, uh, Danny Lee. Uh, I we used him this week on TV. He had the six putt uh, last week. The WD after the six putt, very frustrating. He apologized. It did the right thing. Kind of took ownership. So good on Danny Lee. We made fun of him for the six putt and withdrawing, but he's my winner for apologizing and, and taking ownership of it. Okay, my weird this week. Gonna ask you guys a question because uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. If you've looked at the list, then then you'll know the answer. Have you looked, guys, at who's leading the race to Dubai? No. I purposely did not look. When okay, you saw so your give team. me a guess. Have you looked? I would who's say, leading race to Dubai? Uh, Colin Morikawa. 
Good guess. All right, Adam, who's leading race to the bye? I was also going to say Morikawa. I'll say Danny Willett. Patrick Reed. Oh. With two ties for 13th in majors and a win back in February Uh, at the WGC, which is, of course, sanctioned by both tours. Yes. Yes. Patrick Reed. I mean, if you could have given me 10, 12 guesses, you wouldn't have got Patrick Reed <laughs> as leading the race to the bye, thus my weird. Okay, my what? What I've been waiting for all week with <laughs> Here you Here we go. go. All right. Line it up, baby. All right. You said golf course architecture on acid. Well, my good friend, and I, you know, I should say this off the top, I've only met Mike Davis in passing once at a Golf Canada party in Augusta. That for two seconds. So I don't know Mike Davis personally at all. He might be a very nice man. Okay, for all accounts, he might be a wonderful person. So let's get that out there. However, his tenure as executive director and then CEO of the USGA has caused me some anxiety, stress, and anger over the years. Windmills on golf courses, clowns nose, floating pars, T-decks that go up and down. We have rough, we don't have rough. When things go sideways, you can't find them. When things go well, there he is with the camera, smiling and waving at the crowd. Oh, uh, we've got, uh, we've lost our greens at Shinnecock. I mean, like, we can go on and on. Mike Davis and this week he is stepping down uh, at the end of next year uh, and he is leaving the USGA. Okay. It's what he's doing next, guys. His next venture of his career. He's going to join Tom Fazio II to be a golf course architect. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm leaving Golf Talk Canada. Adam's moving into this chair. You guys have a wonderful 2021 because in the middle of next season, I'm going to be an Olympic high jumper. (laughs) All right? That's what I'm... I'm going to join the NBA. All right? What? This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, I know he loves golf course action. I I read the, the press release. Mike Davis, as a kid, was doodling on napkins, holes, and designs. I'm like, okay, you know what? I like to paint at home in my spare time. I'm not doing the Sistine Chapel anytime soon. Okay? Like, this is... I, when I saw it, I almost fell off my chair. I was laughing hysterically. In fact, it shouldn't be my what? It should have been my winner, because it was the best laugh I had all week, Bob. Should have been your weird. <laughs> Listen, I'll give, I'll give Mike Davis... Uh, I'll fault him for the course setup, for taking courses to the extreme. I'll give him credit for being the guy who helped, or was at the helm anyway, of moving to public golf courses like... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Torrey Pines, yeah. Half-Page Black. Half-Page Black is what I was thinking of. Yeah, so he's brought some of those things in. And I've, I've met Mike. I've spent some time with Mike uh, a number of times and stuff. And he's a, he's a very he's a passionate guy about the game of golf. Um, but listen, let's not forget what's happened under his reign. And the latest evidence of it was just last week at the U.S. Open. The golf ball is going way too far. Golf, mm-hmm. whether, and, and that's under the USGA and the RNA's watch. He's the head of the USGA. Let's, let's, let's label him with that, or at least partly. Adam, golf balls went too far. Drivers got the size of toasters. And you let the horses out of the barn with a belly putter for 30 years and then jam them back in. Come on now here. And what do you think about, before we go to break, like Davis doing golf course architecture, I think, you know what? I think I have a better chance at the NBA. 
<laughs> mm, I mean, the NBA or or the Olympic high jumper. I mean, right. I, either one. But it, it I, I'd be curious to see what sort of uh, golf course setup Mike Davis would do if he did uh, design his own golf course. Uh, he's had quite a career, we'll put it at that, uh, and all the best to him uh, going forward. That's all well, the next time you and I are in Myrtle Beach together, I'll take you to the Pirate Island Adventure Mini Putt, and I'll show you what, uh, what his courses are going to look like. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Wrapping up hour one of our special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, we recently ran a tailor-made product special both on Golf Talk Canada television and Golf Talk Canada radio. And one of their great products throughout the year, the Sim Iron line. So many players have used this. Any level of handicap, whether you're below 10, you're in that mid-range handicap, or the game improvement line, many different players have put this iron into play. In particular, Nick Taylor with the Sim Max 4 iron, essentially using it as a driving iron en route to winning the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He called it his big four iron, and he beat Phil Mickelson in quite a duel at Pebble Beach. Let's learn more about the Sim iron line with Bob and TaylorMade's Matt Bovey. All right, Matt, let's talk about uh, Sim irons. And this is building off the technology that uh, you brought out last year with SpeedBridge, and that seems to be the main... Um, piece of attention for this iron, but it's certainly not the only story. So why don't you give us a little bit about what's going on and how you came up with this new design? Sure, yeah, so the new 2020 irons, Sim Max and Sim Max OS, they're built around the foundation of the SpeedBridge technology, like you mentioned. That SpeedBridge gives players more distance with better feel from one technology. So we don't have to have the trade-off anymore, which is why we wanna make sure we keep that technology and we build around it. But in addition to the SpeedBridge, the Max and Max OS are packed full with the Speed Pocket and a brand new sound dampening uh, technology called the Echo Damping System. Ultimately, what this is going to do is it's going to give players forged iron-like feel without sacrificing any performance. Now, the Echo Damping System uses multiple contact points across the full length of the face to accelerate that damping process, which is where we get the forged iron-like feel without sacrificing performance. It's tough to try to combine all the things you've got in there and still make this club work. How much of a, um, of, a, of a building process was it to kind of get to this point where you're really not sacrificing anything? Yeah, when you think about the amount of time we spent uh, developing SpeedBridge, right? That's three to four years in the making, and now we've understood it in, in the M5 and M6 irons, which allows us to then continue to redesign it, optimize it, and ultimately design a better face into 2020. So, I mean, you're looking at five years just from the technology package that's in these irons but in terms of really breaking the trade-off barrier between distance and feel for a game improvement iron that's been a mission for a long long time 
Okay, now you've got a second version of this. There's a SimMax, a SimMax OS. Tell us about the OS. Yeah, so the OS is new to the family this year. SimMax is our core game improvement, iron, all-around distance forgiveness playability. SimMax OS, OS standing for oversized, is super game improvement. So a slightly bigger club head there. you got more face area, a little more offset, designed to be more forgiving, and it's built with stronger lofts. So players that hold distance paramount, that's definitely going to be something that they want to look at. It's got all the same technology as SimMax, in addition to the new shaping for that player looking for more forgiveness, so you know it's going to feel great and go a long way. Okay, if I'm a golfer, I'm interested in these clubs, where does it find it in the handicap level or the experience level? Who should play each one of these irons? It's a great question, and it's hard to put a handicap number on these because it really comes down to what you're looking at as a player and maybe your swing speed. But I would say that anybody in that mid to high handicap range, 15 and up, Sim Max and Max OS is going to be a good candidate for you. It's just going to be about what fits your eye what fits how you deliver the club head to the ball impact and ultimately what gives you the best performance. I wouldn't put a ceiling on any of them. You know, you could be a 30 handicap and these are going to work great for you as well, but I certainly recommend getting fit. Perfect. Thank you. Absolutely. That does it for hour one of our special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. On the other side, we're going to discuss the Ryder Cup and what could have been and what will be for 2021. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by PlayGolf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com. The smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Kicking off the back nine of another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, the Ryder Cup, it's one of the great events on the golf calendar, comes every two years. Yes, this year's tournament, unfortunately, postponed due to COVID-19, will be back in 2021. Hopefully, there can be fans in the stands. Just absolutely great to watch. Probably, it might be my favorite to watch, that or the Masters. It's tough to compare, but the Ryder Cup, one of the great tournaments on the golfing calendar. Recently, Mark, Bob, and I discussed what the Ryder Cup could have looked like this year in terms of who would be playing, and we'll also discuss who could be playing in next year's tournament in 2021. All right. It would have been Ryder Cup week. This weekend, we would have been watching. And you know what? I'm going to say kind of what I say every year, and then I'm wrong. I'm looking at these teams on paper, and there is no way, there is no way that Europe would have been beating Team USA this week. I'm just, I mean, like, this is such a, this might be the most lopsided affair that you would have ever seen. And and yet, probably Europe would have figured out a way to win somehow. I don't know how, though, when I look at these teams. 
the good news for Europe, regardless, is they've got a year now to build that strength back up and get some of their regular guys maybe back on this team or have somebody kind of grab the baton and run with it a bit. So anyway, let's welcome in now Adam Scully, our producer, Adam Scully. Skulls, um, before we get into picks or whatnot, what was your reaction when you saw these teams on paper when we said, okay, we're going to do this this week, and we all kind of went to the standings to have a look? Did you have the same reaction I had? Like, this would just be, like, a completely lopsided affair? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Mark. I mean, looking at these teams on paper, the U.S. would win in a landslide. You look at the last Ryder Cup in 2018, the Europeans absolutely demolished the Americans. Obviously, it was a completely different golf course, and that's become a big story for these recent Ryder Cups is the way the golf courses have been set up. You look at the golf course a couple of years ago in France, the fairways were 18 yards wide. The Americans had guys like Phil Mickelson on the team who couldn't hit a fairway for his life. And, you know, Whistling Straits was supposed to host the Ryder Cup up this weekend they're going to host it next year i would presume they're going to have no rough there it's going to be close to eight thousand yards and the u.s team formula is going to be a bunch of bombers who can hit who can hit the ball a big way so on paper anyway the u.s would be the heavy favorite for sure well i will say this uh, i've played whistling straight it's one of my favorite golf courses but it is the most out of a golf course that looks visually like a lynx golf course from a north american standpoint it probably plays the least like a Lings course. So if you compare Whistling Straits visually, it, it looks like Bandon Dunes. Visually, it looks like Cabot Cliffs or Cabot Links, or it plays nothing. It is a high ball North American golf course that just happens to look like a Lynx golfers, i.e., just see what Jason Day did there at the PGA Championship, right? Bob, those fairways were huge, and he bombed it high all day. It's like uh, a Lynx course on acid. Yeah, you know? yeah, very much That's so. That's basically yeah. what it is. Right. I think it's the weirdest course it's I've ever seen. It's funny that Bob used course. that reference, because I, well, I wasn't going to get into that in Winter's Weird and What. About <laughs> okay. golf course architecture on acid. Okay. All right? Just remember that. Easy. All right, so let's look at the standings. Let's start with Team USA. Dustin Johnson Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson, and Bryson DeChambeau. Those are your top six for Team USA. Those players are automatic on this team. DJ, Morikawa, Kepka, JT, Simpson, DeChambeau. They're automatic. I'll give you the next four in the point standings. Xander, Reed, Berger, Finau. That is your top ten. Okay, Scully, let's start with you. You're the captain of the red, white, and blue. You got your six boys. Who are your four? Uh, who are your next six picks? You got to get this team to twelve. Okay, so my next six. So I, I have three different categories here. So I mentioned Whistling Straits going to be a bombers golf course, and for that reason, I like Matthew Wolf and Tony Finau on this team for guys who, who can hit the ball a long way. Another category, guys who are overall good in every category. They don't really have many weaknesses. Xander Shoffley, Daniel Berger, both have experience as well on the U.S. on a team format. And then two X factors, two guys who you might think. Meh, Maybe they've had some some uh, success in the past, and this one player in particular, Patrick Reed, has had some interesting uh, altercations, shall we say, in the past on team formats as well. So my uh, for my two X factors, I'm going Patrick Reed, and of course, you guys know me, Tiger Woods. Mm, I knew I was waiting for that. Okay, <laughs> so I, we have very similar picks, Adam. There's a couple of a couple of differences and a couple of stutter steps where I'm unsure. Bob, let's go to you. Captain's picks, you got six to make. I, 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 I got a feeling one thing that you and I are certainly going to have in common. Well, my picks are exactly the same as Adam's. Wow. Exactly the same. Including as Tiger Woods. Including Tiger Woods. And the reason I'm, picking, I'm saying Tiger Woods is going to be on there, who's the captain? 
Steve Stricker. Steve Stricker, oh. who's basically one of Tiger's best oh, come friends. Come on, right? guys. So if you've got, if I'm you've okay. Got but 11, what about you, though? <laughs> that's what I'm would saying. You, no, I would, if you were the captain, I would want Tiger on that team. I would want Tiger on that team because I think it's so strong, even though on, it's on paper. That you you can have a motivational guy, you can have a leadership yeah, okay. guy. I can Remember buy Justin that. Thomas last year getting paired with him, yeah, in the pairings and saying what a thrill it was at the Presidents Cup and saying, you know, this is what I've dreamed of. So I think that's enough of uh, of a factor. And think of how well he played; he was yeah, the best player on the I Presidents know. Cup. I'm just so there's lots four. of reasons for me to believe him that believe that way. If there's one guy on there that I'm not a hundred percent solid on, it might be Tony Finau. Right. Just because of some of the past performances he's had, I just don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure on him. But wow. I don't know where there's you're you've got a, a a rich pot to choose from. Like you oh my god, like, like this Matt Team Wolf. USA is already so stacked it's ridiculous, and then the pot to pick from is just as stacked. Um, you know, you're leaving a U.S. Open champion off, and Gary Woodland, a year ago a U.S. Open champion, Kevin Kisner, who's a bulldog in match play. He's great in the room, Kevin. Yeah, Kisner great in the room. Like, there's so many guys who's who, played well. Yeah. Uh, Cantlay is such an underrated guy. Mm-hmm. All those guys are ranked higher than Matthew Wolf, by the way. So, and that, but a lot of that has to do with you know it's a two-year window, and yeah. Matt Wolf missed a year, yeah. right? So, um. All right, so you, I can understand your argument on Tiger, that the team is so strong, and you can rah-rah this, that. But I don't have Tiger on this team, guys. I got him as my assistant captain is where I have him. I got him in the room. I got him alongside Steve Stricker. I just don't have him playing golf. Partly because I don't trust his game, uh, but also partly because I think Team USA needs an influx of different faces and young blood to break the hangover, to break the curse. Okay, Tiger Woods came into the last Ryder Cup as a tour champion, winning at Eastlake, got to France, and basically looked like a guy stuffed on baguette and brie. Okay, <laughs> like he shouldn't have been playing a golf club. Okay, we, a golf golf tournament. He was half asleep. Do you remember the lethargic yep. mm-hmm. nature at the Ryder Cup? If you can't get up for playing in front of that crowd in France, I mean, unbelievable. So I've got though I've got a similar, but I've got a problem. I will have a problem. I do okay. have a problem. I know that, but tell us about your team. <laughs> I've got Xander Shoffley, yep. Daniel Berger, for all the reasons you gentlemen have outlined. Uh-huh. I got Tony Finau and Matt Wolf. That's four. Okay. I got Patrick Cantley, mm-hmm. and then I stumble. Do you go with Reed? Can you forgive the dynamic he may bring to this team and pass sins for what he's done, not only in his career, but what he's been able to do in match play scenarios and international team competition? Or do you penalize him and you keep him on the sideline and say you didn't earn it and we don't want all the stuff that comes with Patrick Reed and I'm going to take the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, Scott, Scotty Scheffler, and say, oh. you know oh. what? You've played great in big events. You showed us something at the PGA Championship and we need new blood. It's about my new blood theme, Morikawa, Wolf, uh, potentially Scotty, new blood Break the hangover, break the curse. That's where I'm stuck, and I don't know where I go on that. I really don't. But you know what's tougher than making that decision? <laughs> I know what you're going to go to now. Well, I'll tell you what's tougher than making that decision is finding anyone worth putting on Team Europe. So Team Europe is, uh, let me pull up that, uh, that email here where, I've, where we've broken down exactly what Team Europe is because Team Europe uses a combination. I got, him. I got him here. You got what? it? Okay, a combination so of both systems, Bob. 
Here's our uh, here's our European qualifiers. There's nine of them right now. Right. Tommy Fleetwood, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Victor Perez, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Danny Willett, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, and Bern Wiesberger. Okay, so with the exception of John Rahm, you got Fleetwood missing the cut at the U.S. Open. You got Rory McIlroy pretty much lost in the wilderness since the return to golf. And then you got nothing. So, Bob, let's start with you. What do you do to this team right now? You've got three picks to make. Like, I'm going so far down the ladder to just get some talent on this team and hoping that they find their game. So, I went down and looked at what you got, and and you've got guys who are good names who aren't necessarily in form, but I think we've seen that before on the European side. Guys rally. Mm -hmm. Guys seem to dig down deep. So I think my first pick is a pretty obvious one. It's uh, Shane Lowry, the Open champion. I think you've got to have him on your team. Right. Even though he's just really mediocre right now. Mm-hmm. The guy who is not in that top nine, who I think is playing the best of the guys, is Rafa Cabrera Bayo. Mm-hmm. I think the Spanish uh, sensation yep. is going to be there. And then I think for the same reason I'm picking Tiger, even though this guy's playing terrible, mm-hmm. I'm going with Sergio. He's, oh my! He's the, oh my! He's the wow! Guy. He is the excitement. He's the guy who lights it up in the room for them. Uh, he's he's been manu- manufactured a way to play in these things in the past, and I'm going to put him on too. Wow. Okay. I I've been going. I've got a similar road to Bob with a couple of changes. I've fallen well down the ladder here. I'm going to Justin Rose. Uh, former world number one, hoping at some point that he would break form. And again, Bob, like to your point, you put these guys in a European jersey and all of a sudden they find their game. I'm going also with Rafa Cabrera Bale. I think he's the best player at the moment on this list in terms of his current form that hasn't automatically qualified. Right. And then I'm going with a bit of my American captain headgear and saying <laughs> Victor Hovland needs to be on this team. Wow. Victor what? Hovland is going to be a yeah. future star of a Ryder Cup team and has played great. Like this guy is a cut machine. Big events don't scare him at all. He's proven that already. Uh, I think Victor Hovland deserves to be on this team. I would add him. Okay, Scully. You're the European captain. You've got three picks. It does not look as fruitful as Team USA. Where are you going? Okay, so I have two of the three picks that Mark also picked, and I have zero of the three picks that Bob Ah. had. So I also had Justin Rose, uh, currently 28th in the world points, 39th in the European team points, not playing so hot right now. Victor Hovland as well. I think he's going to be on that team. And one player that neither of you picked, Thomas Peters. He also partnered yeah. with Rory McIlroy back in 2016, and they played very well together on another golf course like this, Whistling Straits. You're going to need a lot of this since he showed some form at the U.S. Open after sort of being lost in the wilderness for a little bit himself. I like Thomas Peters on his team as well. I Guys, i got to tell you something. In about a year from now, just under a year from now, when they shut down the qualifying period and these teams are, are locked in, I think Team USA is going to be in a very similar situation than what we're seeing right now. I don't anticipate a ton of change in that team, and I think the biggest decision that Team USA is going to have is a guy named Tiger Woods. But I think Team Europe in 10 months 
could yeah. look drastically different. I agree, 100%. Some guys are going to rise up. Some guys, don't forget a lot of those European, like Molinari hasn't played, right? Well, that's Where's it. I, I was wondering if any of you were going to go off the board and go, hey, uh, get, you know, wake up Francesco from his uh, pasta como, uh, co- coma. <laughs> como, that's, there's a pun. Uh, <laughs> a pasta coma. Yeah, wake up, Francesco. You know, <laughs> stop the Oricetti and let's peg it up, right? He's one of the best European players in the world, hands down, when he's playing golf. This segment of GTC, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, was brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, recently, our own Mark Sacchino had a chance to go visit Dentonia Golf Club, one of five municipal golf courses in the Toronto area, and he was joined by a special guest where they learned something called bling golf. Let's go to Mark and our special guest. We're at a very special place today, Dentonia Park Golf Course in the heart of Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. Why is this so special to yours truly? In 1982, I played my first round of golf as a seven-year-old right here at Dentonia Park Golf Course. And many golfers, many kids get introduced to the game through the city of Toronto golf courses and municipal golf courses across the country. It is so important to the fabric of growing the game of golf. They actually manage five city, uh, five courses, the city of Toronto. Dentonia Park Golf Course, where we are today, Scarlet Woods, where our own Bob Weeks had his first job in the golf industry, Humber Valley, Don Valley, and Tamo Shanner. They're all wonderful venues. This is a par three golf course here at Dentonia Park, and it's really a great spot to introduce your kid to the game of golf. Today we're going to speak with Goran Mitrovsky. He is the golf manager for the city of Toronto. And Goran's going to talk about the importance of not only introducing uh, kids to the game or even any new golfers to the game, but how to come back and rediscover these great golf courses. We're also going to try something a little cool called fling golf. Yeah, never heard of it, but apparently it's a very cool and new way to experience the game. Let's go check it out. Let's go talk to Goran. Goran, this uh, property is so special to me. I played my first round of golf here when I was seven years old. Is that your customer? How many how many people do you introduce to the game here? You know, Mark, thank you for being here, and we do hear this a lot. So uh, just like you, my first round of golf was here at Dentonia Park as well, but in my travels throughout the city, I hear this everywhere I go. And anybody who meets me and hears my title, they always have a story of how they started playing golf in one of our courses or they love one of our courses. Well, you know, what was interesting is you and I spoke a little earlier in the month and you said prior to COVID that the marketing plan for 2020 was going to be rediscover these golf courses. Exactly. So uh, we all have stories of how we've played these courses. We love these courses, but maybe we moved on and played somewhere else. So 
I want everyone to come back and see what kind of great shape these courses are in and see how challenging they are. You know, people don't associate municipal golf courses with being challenging or really high quality. Ours are. That's one of our selling points. And let's not forget that uh, Bethpage Black and Torrey Pines are municipal golf courses in the U.S. that have hold, held U.S. Open uh, championships before. And we've got some great municipal golf courses right here in Toronto. I know you obviously you manage five of them. Okay, COVID was a success for golf in terms of participation. I know your numbers were up here. Explain uh, what kind of year you've had and how it might have been even better. Obviously, you had COVID protocol in place. It was a unique year. So yes, we were up and we have new golfers who've never played golf that attributed to that. And also golf naturally leads to social distancing. So one of the few recreational opportunities that you're allowed to play during COVID. Uh, with the restrictions though, we did lose a tee time every hour. And we've also lost the first hour. We were mandated by Toronto Public Health to disinfect every touch point around the golf course. So we, our first tee time at the beginning of the year was 7 a.m., not six. So we lost those six or seven tee times in the morning plus an additional tee time every hour that we were open. Okay, tell us a little bit about the success of that though, because you still had a almost, you know, for lack of a better term, a record year and provided a safe environment for people to come play golf. Yeah, yeah, so we were basically sold out all year. So from when we first opened in May, May 16th, when the, when the provincial government said we could, we were allowed to open, we were sold out every day, basically, and you're booking five days in advance. So, it, uh, Days where people didn't show up, they were automatically filled by people wanting to play. Uh, rounds are up. They were up in, uh, you know, over last year. Um, and again, we attributed to being the only recreational activity that people were allowed to do and new golfers coming into the sport. Okay, before we get to fling golf, which is something we're going to try today, tell us a little bit about what happens after the closing here. I had no idea that this was a 12-month facility. Are all the golf courses 12-month facilities? What happens after the closing date? Yeah, this is something that really people don't know about, and we're trying to get the word out more now. So our golf courses, all five of our golf courses, are open 12 months a year. So for In the shoulder seasons, after the golf course closes to golf, you can come out and do passive recreational activities on all, all of our facilities. What, what kind of recreation activities are we talking about? Uh, snowshoeing, what are we talking? Exactly, so come out and take a walk on one of our golf courses with your dog, but on leash please. And uh, you can do snowshoeing, cross-country sle uh, sledding, or sorry, cross-country skiing, and also sledding with your children. No tobogganing, but if you want to push your kid around with a, with a sled, by all means, come all, out and All do are it. welcomed. Yeah. Okay, speaking of all are welcomed, for someone who doesn't know what fling golf is or for someone who's never seen it, describe fling golf for someone who is a complete newbie. Okay, so we've introduced fling golf at our at four of the five city golf courses, and uh, it took off as a team building exercise. So our niche market, we thought we'd get it with seniors and, and juniors and, and people with uh, disabilities, but actually the niche was corporate team building. But this year with COVID, uh, that hasn't happened, but it's a cross between lacrosse, baseball, hockey, and golf. You use one stick for the entire round, you pitch, putt, and drive with this one stick. All right, and if you've ever played golf before, or if you've never played golf before, can you still play? You can play it. Usually the learning curve is about 10 to 15 minutes and you'll be playing it like straight and uh, and putting and pitching no problem. They say the biggest challenge facing the game pre-COVID was the time consumed to play around a golf. How long does it take to play a fling round versus a regular round? Here at D'Antonio, we can play a fling round in about an hour and a half. All 18 holes. Wow, okay, yeah. so a third of the time, yep. half of the time roughly to play around. All right. Probably a third. 
Gordon, thank you so much for having us. Absolute pleasure. Can't wait to come back here in the spring and play some golf with you. Thank you. You're welcome back anytime, Mark. What a special place. Stirring up some ghosts to be back here. Just remembering my mom or my dad bringing me out here, playing with childhood friends. And what a cool experience to play fling golf. Uh, if you've never played the game of golf before, you want to try something different, or you just want to get out on a golf course, what a cool way to be introduced to the sport. Looking forward to coming back next spring, maybe next summer, getting out them wedges, working on the short game right here at Dentonia Park. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to another special Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, as we always say, winners, weird, and what? It's our favorite time of the show. It's a great time for us to discuss the, the weird, the wacky, the awesome, all in the world of golf. And here's another recent edition of 3-Dub. And this time around, Bob had the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, guys. My, uh, my winner this week is uh, the USGA. Mark, you'd like that, right? Wow. Oh, jeez. Oh, I can't wow. wait to hear more. <laughs> yeah. So if you follow the Club Pro guy on Twitter, you might you probably know he have it's a great parody uh, Twitter account, and he is supposedly this club pro at a, a dodgy little course, and he played himself played in the final of the Thursday night men's league, and uh, recounted the whole story about how he was playing against a guy Stan Perry, whose uh, granddaughter was with him in the cart, and whose granddaughter jumped into one of the bunkers when he was about to hit a shot. Uh, so, so club pro guy said, well, that's a penalty. You know, you're testing the soil, testing the, the, the ground <laughs> with the, your granddaughter. And also the fact that his granddaughter had a little plastic club, which he stuffed into her grandfather's bag. And that cost him another hole as well. So it was a fun little parody of a, of a, a club match final, but the USGA responded with an official ruling <laughs> on, the, really? on the whole thing. They sent him a letter and uh, it's very funny and it's, it actually agrees with him. It says, yes. Those were two loss of holes. That's the way it should have been. But at the end, it said that um, uh, we uh, we think that you're basically uh, it's we 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 wanted to express our distaste for your conduct in this match. <laughs> and the and the rules official says in my entire 26 year tenure with the USGA, I have never been confronted with this level of pettiness and poor sportsmanship. You are an embarrassment to your profession and a stain on the game that we all love, which is <laughs> equally in parody. So. If you want to go and find it, uh, just go and look for a club pro guy. I thought that was a uh, was a real good one. That's good. Uh, and my uh, my weird this week is: Did you guys see the shank that John Rom? Oh hit? yeah. Oh, 
Oh. Now, he's hit a couple of these before. And I was trying to think, and I'm going to put this out to you, which PGA Tour professional do you think shanks the ball more than others? And it's, it's, I'm amazed that you see this quite often on the PGA Tour, but this one by, by Rom was a pretty good one. But who would you say, Mark, who would you say shanks it more than anyone? Off the top of my head, and I haven't seen one in a long time, but uh, if we go back about 10 years ago, he was good for a, a good one or two violent ones a year. I, would, I, I remember Ian Poulter with a few, exactly. Bob. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's the first name that comes to mind for sure. <laughs> Scully, would you you agree with that one? Yeah, Poulter or Webb Simpson's hit a couple of beauty hosels. I mean, the Ryder Cup in 2012. Yes, part I three, remember that. He screamed one way right. But, Bob, that shank by John Rahm. He also had one last year on the eighth hole at Augusta National. Remember that? That's right. That's right. That's right. He's had a... He's had a couple of dandies out there and uh, just goes to show you that everyone is uh, is vulnerable to the yep. dreaded shank. Yep. Uh, and my what this week is, uh, what is it that Brooke Henderson can't do? Is there anything <laughs> she can't do? So she's been sitting at home, taking a little bit of time off, and she decided she would take something up that would, would help her, you know, maybe with her with her game. So she learned how to juggle, and she put up a, a video of her on her uh, Instagram account and on her, her Twitter account of her juggling, and it's, again, flawless. And so I have challenged her. She's only juggling with three go- three balls, mind you. But I said I expect by the U.S. Open that you should be having four balls in the air at the same time. So well, uh, another, of course, another one of them on like... fire too, Bob. One of those golf <laughs> yes, balls should be on fire. That's right. right. That's right. The flaming uh, the flaming torches that'll be next in her itinerary. So uh, so there you go. That's my uh, winner's weird and what. And I've lost. Who's next? I'm sorry. Uh, I believe the T is Mark. mine. Okay, Mark. You go ahead. Let us know what's happening. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! My winner, guys, is uh, our lefty duel duel last week on the Champions Tour. Mike Weir, with a chance to win leading into Sunday, goes toe-to-toe with Phil Mickelson. How fantastic is the Champions Tour? Eventually, Phil goes on to win his... First two events on the Champions Tour, but to see Weir with a chance to win, to see the names on the leaderboard uh, of of Mickelson and 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 Els and Weir and Longer still playing well, Bob, Champions Tour's got a real punch in the arm and some star power. I think when we get on the other side of COVID, this could be a real bump for the Champions Tour. It's a it's a great class of guys who went through this year, you know, with uh, Weir and Els and Jim Furyk and Phil Mickelson. And as Phil pointed out, these guys have been playing against each other since college days. Mm-hmm. And the interest, most interesting thing about that, the third time in the history of the PGA Tour or any PGA Tour sanctioned event that lefties have finished one, two. I would have thought that would have been the first one, no doubt. But they said it's happened twice before. Well, there you go. Bubba Watson and Bar- Bob Charles, apparently, at some point. Yeah. So. <laughs> My weird this week, uh, you know, last couple of weeks, guys, I worked uh, the Las Vegas double dip for PGA Tour Radio. The first of those two weeks was TPC Summerlin for uh, the Shriners for Hospitals Children Open. Did you see the finish for Martin Laird? It was one of the best pars I have ever seen on the 71st hole, that very difficult par three that uh, if you remember a few years back, Jonathan Bird had an ace in a playoff to win. So that's that hole's got some history. But Martin Laird, with the, I guess the block swing of the of the season so far, with the water left on that par three, he hits it 30, 40 yards right, chips it 
underneath the trees, squibs it onto the green, knocks in a 20-footer for par. We think the whole thing's over, and he gags it on the 72nd hole with a horrible bogey, only to win it in a playoff for Martin Laird. Adam, did you see the finish I'm referring to? If so, how good's the par on the 17th, and how pathetic is the bogey on 72nd hole? You know what? That final round for Martin Laird was an absolute roller coaster. How about the bunker shot he hit plugged yes, in the exactly. lip? He looked dead. Yes. Like it almost looked like he was going to take an unplayable lie. What's he do? He sort of yes. he slaps at it, rolls in like a putt. What a victory for Martin Laird, his first win in a number of years. That was one of the great finishes during this fall stretch. All right, my unique, uh, my what this uh, week is what a unique spot, Shadow Creek. I don't know if you uh, gentlemen have ever had a chance to, to be there on property. I've actually had the opportunity to, to play Shadow Creek a couple mm. times uh, on my previous ventures. But uh, working it this past week, four days around Shadow Creek for PGA Tour Radio. It's a very unique and special spot. You know, Tom Fazio hired uh, by uh, by uh, the wind group there to uh, to build uh, a high roller exclusive property that he didn't want to feel was in the desert. And when you walk around that golf course without the mountains, guys, you'd swear to God, you're in Georgia. You'd swear to God you are in North Carolina. It doesn't look like the desert. Nothing is out of place. It is. It's very similar to walking around Augusta national in the sense that the greens are perfect. Uh, the cuts are perfect. Uh, I mean, it is Disneyland for golf. I, I felt like I was waiting for It's a Small World after all to start playing in my head, walking around there. The players absolutely loved it. Uh, Rory McIlroy said, I wish we could come play here every year, and he wasn't the only one that said that. Impossible to get galleries around that golf course, so I truly believe from a PGA Tour perspective, this is a one-off unless somebody like the MGM group decided we want to be a part of the PGA Tour annually and we're going to do like a VIP thing only where we're not going to have galleries to the, to that extent, etc. Because it, it is one of the tightest pieces of property to navigate your way around in terms of radio, TV, people. So you can never have like a full-blown tour event there. But what a special spot. And if you're out there listening and you're making your way to Vegas in the next year or two and you want to play golf... Uh, it's a it's it's a little bit pricey, a little hard to get on. But if you can do it and treat it more like a Pebble Beach type of thing, where it's something you might do once in your life, it is well worth it. All right, Adam, winners weird and what, sir? The tea is yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Well, gents, for the last couple of years, we've seen some professional golfers excel on social media. Phil Mickelson, one of them. Lee Westwood's pretty good. Ian Poulter as well. But how about Max, Max Holma, I should say, as well. But how about Joel Damon? He has been a social media all-star. Him and his caddy, Gino Benelli. Before teeing off on Thursday, Benelli tweeted out, this is probably six years late, but I'm going to start publishing one quote from Joel Damon after every round we play. It could be funny, might be sad. It also will be real. His quote after round one from Damon. This is what Damon said on the golf course. And I quote, I'm quoting him here. If a normal person saw me play right now, there's no way they would believe I'm a professional golfer. <laughs> so, so there's my first part of, of my winner with Joel Damon. Then Damon tweets out this inspirational video with the Rocky soundtrack with the caption, the quest 
for 170, implying his ball speed getting it up to 170 miles per hour. <laughs> Bryson's was only 211 miles per hour. And then you guys see yesterday, 15th hole, there's a smattering of fans standing by one of the homes there at Sherwood. He makes probably a 20-foot putt and yells, are you not entertained? Bob, for me, Joel Damon, an overall winner this week. He's been a great character the whole time. All, I mean, for his entire career. Uh, I like the one some guy said to him, don't you think you can uh, you can become like a, a top 10 golfer in the world? He's just, no, not a chance. I don't hit it far <laughs> enough. <laughs> just, uh, just, just boom. Okay, well, th- thanks for sharing that. <laughs> you know, I think it, it's it, great. And boys, it's it's funny, you know, looking at Damon's quest for 170 and Bryson hitting 211 miles per hour on that 403-yard carry. As you guys know, I like to try to hit bombs. And when I was getting fit for new irons that Taylor made a couple weeks ago, I hit some drivers. I wanted to just uh, see my settings. And without, I wasn't going after it, I should say, but my ball speed got up to 168. So I'm trailing Bryson by a lot. So, Mark, I know I'll be uh, pumping the protein shakes in and I'll be about 260 pounds by uh, GPC (laughs) next year. What do you think about that? (laughs) Not good. Um, My weird this week. Rory McIlroy, so we discussed this a little bit, but the club snap on Thursday. He got an awful break off the tee on the 18th hole. Hit his tee shot way right. His ball bounced back what seemed to be about 60 yards. Hit a shot onto the fairway, and then a pretty mediocre wedge, and he snapped the club. And every once in a while, these, these tour guys get really PO'd, and, and they, they lose it. But it was the way that McElroy snapped the club. He didn't do over the knee like Patrick Reed a couple of years ago at Pebble Beach. He sort of leaned on the club and it sort of snapped in two. And we've seen Rory have some unique circumstances with golf clubs. We remember the 2015 WGC uh, Cadillac Championship at Doral when he frisbeed his four iron about 80 yards into the water at the 2016 Open Championship when he, he threw his three wood over his shoulder and it actually broke the shaft and the head, almost like a hockey stick breaks, right where, where the shaft and the, the club head meet. So McElroy really has some unique ways of breaking clubs, doesn't he, Mark? Yeah, I was there in, uh, at Doral in 2015, Adam. I was working PGA Tour Radio. That was my first year on the play-by-play team, mm-hmm. and I was there for that. And, and uh, uh, President Trump at the time, uh, who, you know, obviously he wasn't president, he was about to run, he uh, he put one of his divers in that pond to retrieve the golf club for Rory. I remember that. And, you know, I've broken a club once in my life. Uh, I felt so embarrassed for doing it after the fact. I've never done it again. It's such a stupid thing to do. I love Rory. I love his honesty. I love how transparent he is. But his history with breaking, tossing, and et cetera, too much for me. I, I wish he'd quit it. And I hope he doesn't learn the hard way. Because I don't want to sound like an old man waving his finger at a bunch of kids right now. But I tell you, I have seen people hurt themselves accidentally breaking clubs. And it is not pretty when you cut something you're not intending to cut with a broken shaft, etc. Not advisable. I like the soft helicopter toss to an open part of the golf course. That is my new old man uh, frustration move. Okay, okay. I like that. Actually, when... Uh, when my dad plays uh, and starts to get, he starts to lose it a little bit. He, he, he just starts to whistle. So I, I think everyone's just start whistling <laughs> instead of uh, right. like clubs. Uh, anyway, my, my what this week. So Jordan Spieth has his father on the bag caddying this week. His usual looper, Michael Grellers with his family after the death of his mother. But after Spieth's opening round, he was asked by the media, 
how dad did on the bag as a caddy after his first round. Let's hear the audio. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's funny. Um, he he did the old no-no on our like fourth hole today on 13. I I'm stepping into the ball. He goes, just don't overdo it. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I step back, step back in. I'm like, Dad, you know, there's only really like one or two things you you just can't do, and that's just just don't say not to hit it somewhere while I'm stepping into the shot. And he goes, well, you know, you you did it on number 11, so I didn't want you to do it on 13. I'm like, and uh, I didn't overdo it. That's awesome. From from a guy like Jordan Spieth, too, who has, you know, he took, what, 20 seconds over the golf ball on the first tee shot at the U.S. Open with a trillion thoughts in his mind. It looks like his game is turning a corner now, which is awesome with Augusta just a few weeks away. He could maybe be a dark horse pick to slide in there, given his history at Augusta National. But uh, you guys know the old secret. If you're playing at someone and maybe get in their head a bit, say, you know, there's OB left here, the water's on the right, and Spieth's father and caddy for the the week was almost doing that to his son. That's some pretty funny stuff. Yeah, they say that's one of the, 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 the key differences in, in the game's best players and the rest of us. They don't get up on the tee and their their eye and their mind doesn't say don't hit it there. Yeah. Their mind's eye and their thoughts say hit it there. So just the language and the way you look at it. And, and uh, Adam, going back to your uh, winner with Joel Damon saying, yes. if anybody saw me right now, they wouldn't think I'm a professional golfer. Bob, you know, that reminds me of one of my favorite Hogan quotes. Hogan said, if he didn't hit golf balls one day, he noticed it. If he didn't hit golf balls for two days, his caddy noticed it. And if he didn't hit golf balls for three days, everybody noticed it so joel damon if that's hogan what you know joel damon shouldn't be so hard on himself so <laughs> exactly this segment of gtc presented by smartgolfdeals.com was brought to you by the muskoka bay club and resort live stay and play This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf, ready for sport. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Wrapping up this morning's special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada, Adam Scully here in studio. Mark, Bob and I will be back next week for a special two our Masters preview show, we're going to discuss favorites, dark horses, the Canadians. How about some of the veterans? Can Tiger Woods defend his title? His form since the pandemic pause has been quite simply bizarre, to say the least. Let's see what kind of game he has when he shows up at Augusta National. How about Phil Mickelson, lefty. He's won this tournament three times before. He's won both of his starts on PGA Tour champions. He is hitting bombs out there. What kind of game is he going to show up with at Augusta National? He has a great history there. And then, of course, there's Bryson DeChambeau testing out the 48-inch driver. He's flying the golf ball 400 yards, according to TrackMan posting these crazy Instagram videos, yelling right before he's going to hit the ball. We'll discuss Bryson's chances as well. So many players. We'll discuss all of them. Looking forward to that. We'll have a special two-hour Masters preview show 
That's coming next Saturday. We'll also have a Masters all-time winners, weird and what. So that kicks off Masters week here on TSN. Then on Golf Talk Canada Television, Wednesday, November 11th, we are going to be airing an hour-long Masters preview show. We'll profile many of the top players in the field and, of course, some fantasy picks as well for the Masters. And that weekend, note the time change. Live 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Saturday, November 14th. will be live leading up to TSN's coverage starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. We'll preview the final 36 holes at Augusta National. And we'll, we're back radio on TV for that one. So take note of that. And then afterwards, of course, in December... Our Festivus special, Festivus for the rest of us, will be back radio on television as well. And then on TV in December, we have another travel special, which will be airing in December, right before the holiday season. Well, this has been another fun edition of Golf Talk Canada, another special best of edition. We're back live next week, a two-hour Masters preview show. Mark, Bob, and I will all be here We'll pick favorites. We'll have a little draft as well. It's going to be a very fun show. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Adidas Golf, ready for sport. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.